Welcome to Humans of Twitter, a podcast where we discover the stories behind the people behind the Twitter accounts. People that are interesting, opinionated, and surprising. I'm your host, Steve Malk, and today I'm speaking with someone who describes themselves as Spieling B Champion. JoeThornley.tumblr.com, please date.tumblr.com, society6.com slash JoeThornley. Humans of Twitter is their stories in their words in a little more than 140 characters. Please welcome today's edition to the Humans of Twitter list, the aforementioned Joe Thornley. Hello, I'm on the internet. It's the best place for you to be, Joe. I, I don't know if that's, is that a compliment or an insult? I think it's a very big compliment Excellent. and a reflection that your your actual life is enhanced by your presence on the internet. Because I do not, compared to say a hockey field, I'm inclined to agree. <laughs> Joe, in social settings, how do you introduce yourself? Uh, Using my name, often followed by sort of a request if I can use a person's toilet. But um, Mm -hmm. if if you're talking about what I do, um, I'd say I'd usually say I work in music and television and write on the side. How very glamorous is music and television and writing on the side? So, so glamorous that I pretty much, I've named my work outfits corporate pyjamas. <laughs> it's pretty casual around here. But that's that's the ease of the fact that when, when you say you work in music and television, mm. are you matching music to television or are you making television around music? I'm a music licensing specialist, which is really, it's a really sort of specific job because in Mm. film and TV and advertising, people want to use music and there's rights involved and I do the negotiations of those rights and identifying the owners and and the contracts and things. It's all kind of, you need to be quite anally retentive so it works. So every time we've heard Snow Patrol pop up in Home and Away or whatever, that someone like you has had to arrange that. Someone like me at a rival network, thank you, Moxie, yes. Um, I'm just keeping it broad and open. I'm not trying to box you in. <laughs> yes. So from things like, you know, negotiating for themes for uh, television shows to clearing the 60th um, Richard Mark song for someone to sing on X Factor, yes. Great. Yeah. So I'm part, I, I think it's fair to say I'm part of the problem. Yeah. How much do you love Adele? I, which, how many questions during this can I opt out of answering? Any of them or all of them? Yeah, great. Good. Good to know. <laughs> That's the first one. P.S. So in, in, a, um, in a production music uh, environment, it's not just, uh, sorry, in a music licensing environment for you, it's not just uh, pop hits that we hear on the, on the radios. It's also production music stuff, isn't it? Yes, and um, contracting sort of commissioned composers and, um, yeah, the library music, which is of varying funness, um, <laughs> all of that stuff. It's So it's not – it's sort of glamour. It's close to glamour. It's the neighbour of glamour is the area of television you work in. It's, it's the neighbour of glamour that glamour – is writing to their council about. I guess I've been doing it for a long time, so it doesn't feel glamorous. I'm more, I'm better known around the office for doing deep lunges than I am for, for, you know, breaking any new music licensing ground, I think, but it's, it is, it does stay interesting. Do you ever have to, uh, are you ever approached by shows to source it or is it they come song in hand we really love this help us get this so we can have it on production x sometimes in drama you get to be a little bit creative and help pitch or you know find things that might help a scene but mm-hmm. always remember that tv producers are gorgeously creative precious individuals i love all of mm. them very much and they know everything now let's no. I was choosing my words carefully, thank you. Um, but yeah, usually they come to you saying, "I will die if we can't use this. Please clear it for us." Mm. So, so then you do. Why have you had scenarios where that isn't possible? I would have thought that everybody in the music industry is about making the money, and if show comes to uh, you know music company and says we want to use band's song on show all music company will say is it will cost you many dollar signs and 
uh, production company goes, yes, or can you make it less dollar signs? That's, no, we get a lot of denials because. Really? Well, it's not about, like if I, if you wrote a song and mm. say a cigarette. I am an artist. Yeah, yeah, I have no doubt. Uh, and say mm-hmm. a cigarette company wanted to use it in their advertising, you might think twice or you might, sure. I mean, you know, songwriters are also um, wonderfully creative individuals and they have opinions about what their things should be associated with. I often use the mm-hmm. example of uh, the theme to all the CSI series and they're all songs by The Who. Yes. And so now the actual song, Who Are You? People are more likely to associate that with blunt force trauma to the occipital lobe than they are to, you know, Pete Townsend's windmill style Mm. of guitar punishment. Um, So when you do license music, it really carries the risk of being associated with something completely different to its intended association forever. Um, So some people don't want that to occur and other people, yes, as long as you're paying a ridiculous amount of money, that, you know, they're okay with it. But it's basically no one else will use that um, for anything else probably mm. up to five or ten years after csi no longer exists because of, of that association so you're also making this the particular song lose value everywhere else yeah so to that end as a band you would want your song to be associated with a show that has longevity or or brings uh you know more uh, a good vibe to what people think of you as a band and not have them think of you as coldplay yeah, oh, thank, good value judgment there. Um, there's the kind of guy I am. Yeah, yeah, I'm getting it. Uh, yes, or one big thing, or lots and lots of little things, or sometimes nothing mm. at all. When I was working for a music publisher, there was one well-known artist who wouldn't say yes to any of the big advertising or feature film requests, but they would. Yes. Um, they would consider every single student film request so much and they were wow. so into that that they would actually ask you to send them a film, send them the film so that they could watch it um, before they approved. And so all these student filmmakers were just completely jazzed that um, this artist was actually watching their films. Less jazzed than I am about the fact that I just used the word jazzed. <laughs> <laughs> But they were still enjoying it nonetheless. Yes, yes. Look, Joe, I I could, having worked in a similar music licensing situation previously, talk to you about this all day, but that a good podcast doth not make. Agreed. (laughs) So, if I may, I'll ask you this. What's Mm. the biggest thing to have happened to you, Joe? Ooh. I got lots of things spring to mind that I know aren't it. And the first thing that sprang to mind was that once I got to smell Jermaine Jackson. Um, That's proximity close. It was. And it was because he's just, you know, how new car leather smells. But if you sort of put a veneer of gardenias over that, that's Jermaine Jackson's personal scent. Wow. But, okay, by big things... Do you mean mm. exciting things or terrible things or, I don't know. I mean all of those things. Oh, gee. I really should have listened to some other <laughs> other ones of these and followed <laughs> some ideas, didn't I? Um, I, ha- I think, well, my old mate Dawes dying was pretty big and terrible and that was mm. like one of the biggest things that I had to sort of get through because I've been really lucky with, I've had, uh, you know, grandparents die and that sort of thing, but that's sure. always expected. And whilst very tragic, it's you know it can be made beautiful, and um, you know it all it happens to all of us eventually. I hear, but um, yeah, when when old girl decided she'd had enough, that was quite mm. a shock, and it took me a long time. I don't do um, vulnerable and sad very well so it took me a very Mm -hmm. long time to kind of deal with that so that was a massive thing but um I mean there's other there's other great things like my uh my twin sister and my brother having kids they're awesome I don't want any of my own Mm -hmm. but I love theirs to death so lots of things but you know let's put let's put the Jermaine Jackson Oda thing there I like it Mm. I'm entranced by it Mm. Do you mind if I ask you a question not about 
Charlotte, but about you processing that grief. Is that okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was that something you had to dig yourself out of or it had to wash over you and, and Thornley just had to persevere? I was oh, sort of a bit of both. I think that anything, <laughs> you should be able to process and deal with anything in a fortnight. And I mm-hmm. just, I don't, I, you know, I do have normal human emotions, but I try to separate those from just getting shit done. Yep. And... Uh, so when I have big ones that I so like love or grief, um, I find them quite inconvenient. And I know that that might sound cold, but I don't like the fact that they dictate how my day goes rather than the other way around. Um, so after a little while, I couldn't believe that I was still having like a, a an emotional and physical reaction to grief. So I happily, one of my one of my mates, also called Jo, uh, is a psychologist and I went and spoke to her and she basically mm. said, she reminded me that I'm human, um, which was really, she said I'm normal. What a bitch. <laughs> but, um, so, and to just let it actually occur. So my main problem was that I wasn't letting it occur. I thought it was maybe weakness or maybe just a an inconvenience that I wasn't prepared for. Mm. So it was nice. It, it turned out okay. It's It can be a very grounding for some and earth-shattering thing for others to be reminded that we are all indeed human, can't it? Yes. It also happens when I, when I fall in love. It's, it's very, very inconvenient and it gets in the way mm. of things. Oh. Happily, it doesn't all happen very often because I'm... Um, dead inside, so that's fun. Gosh. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. I appreciate that, That you know, it isn't necessarily difficult, but certainly is a um, a precious part of your life. Yes, most definitely. Good times. Good times. Mm. So what can't you tolerate? Oh, mostly... Um, artificiality or artifice I never know if I avoid words if I don't know which the correct one is um, <laughs> yes. but so like honest is massive for me just because partly because it's really convenient you don't have if you you know if you don't lie or obfuscate the truth then you never have to remember what you said to certain people and and all of that yeah. but I also I can't tolerate people acting um, in a way that they're not, or, or not being authentic or genuine. I find it confusing and highly irritating. Um, and I also can't tolerate people in the same way, like lying to themselves. I think there's some uh, some people that belong to organisations or are trying to represent an agenda will act in a way that they may not normally. Oh. God, choosing my words carefully is exhausting. But um, things like some some religious extremists or some uh, uh, sort of people that believe in some kinds of medical bullshit or, you know, climate sceptics, and I'm doing yeah. massive, massive inverted commas here, I don't, I don't think that if they were honest with themselves that they would often behave the way they do or limit the rights of others the way they do or or things like that. And this is cool. yes. I'm talking about the experience. So I, yeah, I can't stand people not really sort of just acknowledging truth and acknowledging facts and going with it. I think there's a whole lot of bullshit. Oh, that's what I'm saying. I could have just been quick and said, <laughs> bullshit, can't stand it. Yep. Can't tolerate bullshit. There you go. That's quick. Eventually. I'll just edit the other bits out, Joe. It's fine. <laughs> they might be my favourites tomorrow. That's right. What does it look like for you? Uh, you, you spoke about, you know, self-honesty and, and uh, you know, not, not being someone that bullshits. Mm. What does that mean for you in a, in a, a day-to-day scenario? Ooh. Um, it means sometimes people think I'm a bit, a bit condescending 
Um, no. I know. No, no, that's right. I could have been. A, I could have been a, a preschool teacher. Uh, <laughs> actually, I was. I was an art teacher for a bit, but they also. Yeah. They also thought I was a bit condescending. Um, it means on a day-to-day -day basis at work. I think it means that uh, I sort of make myself clear because you have to I'm the only non-lawyer in our legal department and um, we have to deal with facts and having things in writing in my yep. freelancey writing stuff uh, I think it works because especially when I'm doing things like recaps and opinion columns and stuff like that uh, I think part of my oh, people people have said oh that's exactly what I was thinking so that I think it helps with that um yes. i like it on twitter because cutting through bullshit on twitter is part of the the most fun that you can have on twitter mm. um provided sound of music isn't on because live tweeting sound <laughs> of music will always be amazing um yes what is it you can't face uh, yeah that's and just we had a thing where every time um the oh what's her name the baroness Yes. Every time she was on screen, just saying, behind you. It doesn't, it doesn't work as well on Twitter. Um, my brother and my sister and I used to watch a lot of things. We'd just take things from the TV. Um, yes. My, my mum was uh, a member of a chamber, like a chamber quintet, I think, or quartet. Yeah. They would rehearse. Uh, at our house on Sunday evenings. So, you know, the Sunday evening evening movie was not an option because we couldn't hear it over, you know, those mm -hmm. those terribly middle-class white cellos in our, in our living room. Um, <laughs> so we'd tape a lot from the telly, and it wasn't until I saw lots of things later, like My Cousin Vinny, which I love, um, that I realised they actually had swearing in it because... <gasps> You know, they wouldn't. They wouldn't broadcast. They'd just bleep out the swearing yeah. bits, or they'd just edit them out. Really, and a lot of scenes now make sense. Yes, so much got more sense. Fucks and shits in them. It still disappoints me that in America, uh, they have, and I appreciate it's a classification thing. But I, I was watching oh, some movie that that had its fair share of the swears, and they'd been revoiced, and well, it. it like, this is something old, kids. If you've never seen a, a revoiced movie where everything is the actor saying things except the bit where they say fuck or shit and it's replaced with flipping or far out <laughs> or that's sad uh, or whatever. But And they've either got the, the actor to revoice it post or someone else has done it. makes it even worse. I, Trying wanna, to, it, oh. I now just want to be that person that does those, those voiceover flips. That's new. That's my new career. As well as I want to, I, I've always found that I'm really good at naming, you know, companies and like friends have started companies and I've helped them name them. And I thought I could start a company that does that. And then I thought, what the fuck will I name it? So I can't do that. But I always, this is only vaguely relevant, but I'm sure that's expected. Um, mm. I was emceeing a wedding on Saturday and yes. I had, the groom had asked me to write the bride a poem and there was, um, and the word fucking would have worked really, really well, but I was prepared to just say effing. And mm. I thought I'd read the crowd as as the night went on. I'd read the crowd because it was kind of near the middle of all the speeches and everything. Mm. Um, and as I, it was such a weird situation to be in because as I was, I was having a couple of drinks, but as it was, the wedding was wearing on and wearing on, it was a great day. It was continuing. Um mm. I was just – one of my mates asked how I was going with the emceeing and how I was feeling. It's like, it's good, but I'm just reading the room for a fucking – And I don't know if I've ever been in that situation before. And how did the room go for the fucking? Yeah, it was good. I got a cheer. Great. Yeah, nice, nice. It's a good for breaking soul. breaking down language barriers, not you brought the group together. They were able to bond over a swear. That's right. That's right. It's beautiful. Joe, you do leave an, uh, lead an interesting sort of multiple life with, you know, by day, uh, meager, uh, you know, well, mild-mannered um, music publishing expert, uh, sure. licensing yeah. expert. Okay. <laughs> by, 
by night, uh, avid recapper come opinion writer mm. that has really attracted uh, a bunch of people who are fans of your writing and your style. Is that the true Joe or is that another flavour of Joe? I think flavour of Joe. Ooh, mm. that's... I don't... That's, <laughs> I was just thinking I should get that tattooed somewhere, but I think, no, I think that's definitely a bad idea. With an arrow. No, no, I just, I think, because I'm subtle. Um, (laughs) There's, if there's a true Joe, it's a mixture of those things. And I think it comes from my, my parents are the, uh, are an illustration opposites attracting and you've got a big mix of sort of creativity and, and solid logic and um, the really, all three of my parents' children are sort of well-rounded in that way. So I like having a partly creative life as long as I've got a good, solid background. So I like um, being a freelance writer and having the security of a day job. It does mean that I have long days and I'm quite busy, but um, I love the security because I've got a, a full-time job that I enjoy. It means that with the writing I don't need to, you know, it's not money for jam I'm sure I just use that but I don't have to take every writing job or or big substantial writing jobs I can pick and choose and do the fun stuff um and I thought recapping is fun because it's just me shouting at the television come to life (laughs) um so yeah the true joe is always a mix of that kind of I've got to be responsible but I also but that will enable me to be as silly as I would like to and being silly is awesome. So what challenges challenges you then, Jo? Um, normal human relationships? No, that's, <laughs> that's actually a complete lie. Um, I'm the worst. My twin sister and I, I said twin, yeah, she's really pretty. Yeah. Uh, she and I are the worst frisbee throwers in the entire world. And I have friends that every we have a barbecue every Australia Day and they mm. bring a frisbee for Joe's frisbee lessons and it just doesn't improve. It's just <laughs> it's quite also understanding knitting. I don't understand how mm. knitting works. Or glass. How can glass be a solid that you can see through? So I don't even I don't even venture as far as how electricity works or how to you know or how a car works because if I can't get why I can see through glass Mm-hmm. I'm not going to advance to these more more sort of complex things. I have a degree from a university. <laughs> I just thought I should add that there just to offset. <laughs> I don't know how glass works. But is your degree in scientitioning? Uh, no. Uh, that's not the wrong word. Not the right word. Um, my degree is in art education. And I'm colourblind, well, so I did. Understanding and I, glass. I hopped. Well, just I think understanding glass is a, kind of a fundamental understanding. I just don't get how it's secret. But uh, I am. I went to three different art schools over eight and a half years, and I'm colourblind. Wow. I have to. I have to mention that I'm colourblind to everybody I speak to because I think it makes me special. <laughs> It obviously didn't affect your art education degree. Uh, well, who knows? I don't know. I didn't do a lot of uh, my oil painting was it was okay, but not amazing. Mm. But I did a lot of printmaking because that's and a little bit of photography because you don't really need to you, color vision. Oh, I could always pass it off with some wank anyway when your colors are wrong. It's contemporary. Yeah, you just describe it as, as Joe's uh, reversal period. Yeah, I, I, I think you might fundamentally misunderstand how colourblindness works there. Well, isn't it when it colourblind is that you can't see some colours, yeah? They become shades of grey, is that right? No. It's, okay. You see differently. So some, depending on the kind of colourblindness, some of your cone cells, I always mix up the rod and cone cells, are shorter than others on your retina. So the, yes. the light that comes in bounces off the ones that are right at the right height more effectively than the ones that are slightly stunted. So okay. um, 
you uh, I'll see those Ishihara tests, which are the the circles full of dots. Yes. Uh, sometimes I won't see, you know, say the number or letter that you would see, but sometimes I might see a different one that you can't. So it's not seeing less. Cool. It's seeing differently. Look, there are lots of things in this world that I don't understand, but I do understand how glass works. I know. I'm not. I'm not happy about it. <laughs> <sighs> I just. Joe. I do. You know. I understand postmodernism, and I've read Foucault and Habermas, but I don't understand how how glass works. It's. It's and not. Look, the important thing is that glass holds beer. No, but what? Well, yeah, but like daylight savings confuses me every year and people say no 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 it's quite simple you you wind your clock forward that doesn't that's exactly as helpful as saying nothing i don't i get unreasonably enraged when i have to think in a daylight savings fashion Mm. and it is frustrating for the east coast of australia that queensland is still the great holdout because it means that I would imagine for a fair chunk of your business, it's mostly Sydney, Melbourne kind of centric, but that there would be times when you have to deal with your cousins up here and having to work out times and stuff, that can be a pain. Yes. Although I think you might think that Sydney wankers think about Brisbane more than they do. (laughs) Oh, no, I know they don't. I just acknowledge that sometimes they have to think about it. And my brother used to live in Broome and that was just... Oh, wow, my Yep. Up. He would just have to answer the phone whenever I decided to call because I wasn't going to work it out. <laughs> Joe, it's like t- it's two in the morning. Huh? I was like, yeah, I know, what? but I've got a question for you about how glass works. <laughs> Look, some people's superpowers are understanding those things. What's yours, Joe? Ooh, um, I. If you name a music video from the 80s that has a dance routine in it, I can do some of that dance routine. Oh, great. I can do some of the steps from it. Um, do, you, do you have a go-to, a favourite? I like Love is a Battlefield mm. and Solid. Um, Flashdance, What a Feeling, just because you get to do the suddenly sit on a stool and pull an imaginary oh. thing where chain water, bucket. yeah, chain mm. bucket. Good on you with your lingo. The great ending, the chain bucket. Yeah. And it started with my sister and I being able, Shelley, Shelley, hi, uh, being able to do any of the dances from Madonna's Immaculate Collection because we both used to work in music retail. Um, Right. And then we just expanded it. But the thing is, if you just bluff, nobody knows. Nobody, you know, not one person has yet said, I think you'll find that the choreography goes like this. Instead, mm. you just do a couple of recognisable moves from Michael Jackson's Thriller and they're putty in your hands, I tell you. A little bit of uh, MC Hammer's You Can't Touch This and You're in Business. Yes. Oh, well, Shelley and I were podium dancers as well. Uh, that's not a superpower. What? Yeah. When, where, how, why? Well, when every, like, yeah, let's go 90s. Um, yep. And when just every nightclub had podium dancers... We were those, the, the clothed kind. Yeah, no, no, I incredibly sure. I wasn't cool, it was anything else. Yeah, the incredibly cool white middle-class twin sister hip-hop kind. That's, I'm pretty proud of it. Lycra, a little bit of some fairly serious fluoro going on. Uh, not so much fluoro. It was very much the sort of mooks and stussy pork pie hat oh, thing. Nice. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Salt yeah. and pepper era. Very much so. Oh. So that's, you yeah. know, so throwing a Frisbee and, and understanding physics and, and chemistry, that's pretty much the only thing that I can't do. <laughs> Things are starting to fall into place with the Joe Thornley puzzle, let me tell you. <laughs> and I can't do maths. You, you don't because you don't like it or you don't get it? Both. Although there's a thing, I've forgotten the name of the syndrome, but apparently when... Like there's a uh, – um, people avoid maths because it doesn't come to them easily. And my 
I learned to drive really late and then decided driving wasn't for me. And my mm -hmm. driving instructor, who was amazing, mm. um, he said, were you, were you quite good at things at school? And I said, oh, most things, not maths. And he said, and he asked me how I went in maths in my HSC and it was you know, kind of middling. Mm. And he said, nobody is good at driving straight away. So most of the people your age that I teach to drive are good at a lot of things straight away. Um, and wow. I just went, I have, that is totally true that it only, um, I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm good at a, quite a few things and, but it's only because I completely avoid anything I'm not good at straight away and pretend it doesn't mm. exist. Golf doesn't exist. <laughs> Golf is television screensaver, though. No, that's motor racing. <laughs> well, I'd love look, to I can't disagree. I know some people like it. No, yes, yes, I've I've seen evidence also that some people like it, but I don't, and each to their own. I would never say to mm. anyone that what they what they enjoy is wrong, but I will say that what those people enjoy is boring. What's the television program that you're obsessing over at the moment? Oh, I, despite being paid to obsess over first dates, I do think it's a wonderful show. I, an, an mm. unexpectedly wonderful show because I'm recapping it. Yes. So when I was given the choice of a couple of things to recap, uh, I had a little bit of a look at a couple of the previews that, of my options and 10 minutes into first dates, I just emailed my editor back and just went, yep. I love its simplicity yes. and the fact that it's just the same thing over and over again, but it's all about the different combinations of personalities um, and tits. <laughs> You've never seen so many boobs. Um, <laughs> well, it's first date material, right? You've got, it's, it's about putting on a show, isn't it? Well, maybe, but I would like people to, Okay, granted, I started this podcasty thing talking about my own buttocks, but I would like people to acknowledge other traits, I think, more than physical traits. I, sure. I consider myself a middling-looking person, but I'm my self-esteem is high enough to think that I'm a personality supermodel. And that's <laughs> so I've never really wanted, and I've had lots of friends who are like, you know, ridiculously good looking. Mm. So focus has never been on physical attributes for me, except my buttons. Just make that clear. Mm. Um, so when the amount that boobs are on display there in, <laughs> in the first dates, I think it almost takes away from I've, I've started to judge people that have got their boobs out in a negative way. And then after they talk, I realise that they're the best human that's ever existed. So I think it can work for you on a first date or against you. But I, yeah, I would, as I said, I'm dead inside. I don't understand how people work. So yeah. Um, a lot like also, glass, really. Yeah. Yes. People are like glass, except opaque. You can't see. Oh my them. God. That's mm. amazing. Um, I'm obsessed with The Walking Dead a bit. Oh, yes. Um, and I don't know, I really, I don't watch a lot, which is, I, it surprises me because I definitely, there was definitely a trend through my teens and 20s that I was going to watch a lot. But no, I think because also helping make it makes it, it loses, you sort of want to break from it. Yep. I can mm. understand that. Hmm. Do you have a favourite date from First Dates? So oh, I think in the first episode, the creepy Chris, where he, he has arrived and he believes he has arrived and that he mm. thinks they should get lubricated. It was just the whole combo. It's like he looked up. It's like aliens landed, saw a couple of tel like films from the 50s, wrote down in alien language what dates are like. It got translated through three different languages and then Creepy Chris read the third translation. So he got the Chinese whispers version of what the creepiest date in the history of the world was and just went, great, I'll go with that. Also, I'll go with sneakers with a suit, like runners with a suit. Mm, yep. Seems like a good idea. 
it was. And if you're a young amazing, person, because, that's an easy mistake. Yeah, there's the emphasis on the young person. He wasn't that young, but I just think this. No, no, he met wasn't. His, that's right. No, yeah, and you met his date, who was this, you know, frothy-haired, vivacious, red satin-wearing uh, woman, and you think, oh, here we go. But only someone that. I don't want to say slimy, but slimy would put <laughs> such an incredibly vivacious person in the shade. It was remarkable. But I've liked so many of them for different reasons. And I kind of want to go on one, but I don't. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, I think both my jobs would preclude me from being from being involved. But I just want to, partly because I really like steak. But it's, it seems like I think it's, it'll probably give people confidence to go on dates because they just go, well, at least it's not a train wreck like on that show. But I've also found a lot of the things in the show, and I hate saying this because I hate most people that use the word, it, some of it's heartwarming. <laughs> I know, I'm upset about it. I was lucky enough to have a conversation with Nicholas Nicholas for this podcast series. Oh, nice. And not only was he a delightful man to get to know, some of the truth bombs that he dropped about the process amazed me. Really? In that... Now, I'm, I've am i been, you know, reading and understanding this, this TV game in a formal, professional-ish sense for a few years now. I get how most of TV works. And because you're on the inside, Joe, you may have a much better idea than me and understand shrinking budgets too. Mm-hmm. But to hear that they don't get paid to go on the show and they have to pay for their dinner in a formal, legitimate, legal sense just floored me. Really? But I think it all just goes to the end. We know my feelings on authenticity. I think it goes towards the... One of the things I like about the show is that it's not... You know, you don't get paid to go on a first date. You do pay for your own meal on a first date that's i think it probably adds to the to the realness man sure but at coming out like after we have the you know the final are we going to see each other again awkward date moment question which is always divine Mm. uh you know cameras are off at that point a producer could say right where's your receipt okay here's the cash thanks very much have a great time you know to, to keep the facade that they have to pay for it is great i've no issue with that but to then have them walk out and actually have gone hey, I just paid for this, and look, if it works out for them, they get to have hopefully a lovely date, if not more, possibly a great relationship, you know, that that blossoms into something else. Sure, but but I also think that if, I mean, if I knew that someone else was footing the bill, then I wouldn't order the drink I wanted. I'd order the gold-plated lobster martini. Um, You know, you you might behave in a slightly different way, Oh, sure, but don't reveal until after the fact. Make you think that you're paying for it until mm. it's all done and dusted. Yeah, I'm okay with it. Oh, it just, As I said, I'm part of the problem. You are so very mm. much. Mm. Joy, I have a couple more questions, if that's all right with you. Of course. What one thing would you change about your life today? Ooh, I'd get a bigger fridge. Why is that? Oh, just, I got, <laughs> I shouldn't complain. That's, no, that's probably very environmentally unsound of me as well. No, change that. What would I change? I would, um, I think I'd have my family a bit closer. We all, none of them are particularly far. The further, one that's furthest away is in Melbourne, which is my brother. Mm. Um, and he used to be in Broome, so he's easier to visit now. But they're extremely cool people and it'd be good to yes. have them closer. Um, but I... I must say I am one of those assholes that really likes I really like my life and it's a it's it's not it's got lots of stuff in it that I enjoy and my main this is where this is this will be almost as bad as me using the word heartwarming before but <laughs> my only real requirement I mean it's very lucky when I because I don't want children it's very you know and I you know I could either take or leave having a partner because I like spending time on myself, but I also like, you know, and I do have one, but I can take a leave it. It's fine. So I don't have any sort of great longing there that of, you know, of needing to have, needing to get married and have kids. 
So that does make it easy. But I just want to be amused, amazed and inspired and they're my three things and have stuff to do. And I've got stuff to do and I'm regularly amused. I'm often inspired um, and, you know, five minutes on Tumblr and I'm amazed or, you know, <laughs> or, you know, out in nature and all that shit. So it's, yeah, I'm just one of those horrible people that probably, I'm, yeah, I'm good. So what's the hardest truth that you've had to deliver? Ooh. That's a good question. I'm not even sure. Like I said, my life's pretty easy. Um, I think I because I... You've absolutely floored me. It's the first time for everything. Yeah. I don't know. I like delivering truths. <laughs> Not really hard. <laughs> um, you know, any, any bad information is difficult, you know, mm. if you're telling people about bad things that have happened. Um, and breaking up with people is bad. Um, mm. uh, but I... I don't think I'm particularly gentle when I do that because it's like, well, this is the truth and there you go, whereas sometimes you could probably cushion it. Hmm. Um, yeah, I don't. I, I think when you're in the habit of, of telling the truth and addressing things as soon as they come up, that's another big thing that I, that I like to do. I, yeah, I, pay my gas, I just paid my gas bill five minutes after I got it. So I think when you tell the truth and do things as soon as they need to be done, then things don't build up and they don't become hard. I think the mm -hmm. your life is hard when you avoid things or put things off. And then the only, if you don't do that, then your only hardships are sort of small surprises here and there. I don't know. I'm making this up. It's still... It, it, it's still reasonable, you know, your reasonable feelings, Joe. though I don't think that's outrageous. Mm -hmm. So it's just I I don't Yeah, no, that's it, I think. I'm not very good at this. I'm much better at being a smart ass. I'll make you I'll give you an easier question then that allows Hooray. you to be a smart ass. What makes you smile? <laughs> um cat tummies. Oh, except when except I don't know. <laughs> mammal nipples freak me out. Really? Um yeah, just a spit like, you know, you're scratching a dog's tummy and then you hit nipple and you feel weird about it. Mm. But um, my, <laughs> my nephews and nieces make me smile because I can see that they're also going to be smart asses and that fills me with joy. <laughs> um, my bunch of friends make me smile because... I think a thing happens in your 30s where you no longer have friends you don't like, which seems obvious, but um, often you'll have friends of convenience or friends of, you know that just happen to live near you or friends that you happen to work with. But mm. by the time you get to a certain age, you've sort of whittled those away and you've just got a core that you can say anything to, you can call dickheads, you can, they know that you'll understand them and vice versa. And where I would love to be in a room before full of 150 people, now six to eight people that are my kind of people. One of my friends calls them PLUs, which is people like us, and everybody's mm -hmm. got their P PLUs and they're all different. Um, that just makes me smile. And the sound of a babbling brook. <laughs> Although I do, I do like, I do have a soft spot for crunchy gravel underfoot or rocks yeah. and things. That bushwalking sound when you've got heavy boots on and there's crunchy rocks, it just gets me. I love that. Yeah. yeah. It, it's a separation from the day-to-day, -day, isn't it? Yes. Oh, and my new behemoth stove. Oh, and now gardening as well. I've started to think, okay, I it's like it's almost caveman-y. It's like, Joe, grow own food. 
<laughs> so I'm really starting to enjoy that. And I hate, I, I usually call it rock and roll gardening just so it doesn't sound like <laughs> I'm now a gardener. So I, I'm a rock and roll gardener. And there's no difference between rock and roll gardening and normal gardening. But just the attitude. That's the difference. Yeah, and I can't talk to them because the neighbours will hear. But I have nicknames, haven't we? Of course you have. Oh, it's my favourite thing, nicknaming things. What are you going to achieve in the next 12 months? Uh, not throwing a frisbee. Mm, good. There's a chance I'll understand glass. But no, let's be realistic. Mm, no. I want to go to New York for the first time. I get long service leave this year. That's ridiculous. Wow, that's awesome. Um, I'd like to just keep doing things. The fact that I have long service leave, I don't know what I'm going to do with all that time. So I was actually in a panic. It's like, how how <laughs> many personal projects am I going to have to invent? Yeah. Um, yeah, so I'd like to achieve I'd like to achieve a fully grown capsicum plant, which I'm told is really easy, so set your goals low. Good. Um I'd like to just keep enjoying stuff and writing things and I don't have much ambition, which is that also makes it easy to have a happy life. <laughs> um so It'll be an achievement if I can keep being amazed, amused and inspired just to be trite again. But though, and having stuff to do. I want stuff to do. Yeah, look, and I I want to encourage you to find and make sure that you have stuff to do, Joe, because yours is the kind of mind that if you don't could very quickly turn into a Bond villain. Oh, I know. That's why I don't. That's another reason I don't lie. When I decided not to, I think in early 20s, <laughs> oh, I was getting so good at it. And I just think it, it's it's much better if I don't because I could really, really lie if I wanted to. <laughs> yes. Mm. Yes, you could. Yeah. Joe, thank you so much for our conversation today. I really appreciate it. Um, please oh, know the things you've said today are very special and you are highly valued. Thank you so much. <laughs> oh, now I'm misting up. I'm just kidding. I'm dead inside. Please. You would never do that. Uh, Joe, no, I do. I cried in The Walking Dead last night. What was emotional about The Walking Dead for you? Because I am obsessed by um, the series. Well, it, it, would it be a spoiler? No, God, this isn't coming out for a week, so you're safe. Carol left. Mmm. Like Carol. Well, I didn't like Cardigan Carol. Do you agree with her rationale for leaving? Um, I'm not. I might have to look into that a bit further <laughs> but also because we i know you're trying to wrap it up but it's we I, I love there's two hallway faces in my new house which is fairly not fairly old house that i'm renting um so it's in the hallway and there's this like ornate little fixture in the hallway that's got two faces and one looks vaguely female and one looks vaguely male and my housemate and I have called them Carol and Daryl because they're always looking at each other. They're always <laughs> there, but they never yeah. quite join. Um, and I just want, I just want Daryl to have one shower and for those guys to do it. We have, yep. <laughs> we have a thing uh, in the house, and it doesn't matter which housemates I've had, where whenever those two are on the screen or just quietly whenever any male and female are on the screen, we just say, those two are going to do it. Other, no, not always just male and female as well. Like, just anyone mm. that we think should do it. So or the other thing we do, and I encourage everybody to do this, whenever the word journey is said on television in any context, you all have to shout, journey! <laughs> it's more than the sum of its parts. It's very cathartic. Look, that it, it will sound like an uprising around the country as people just call out journey for what might seem like no apparent reason. And I and I will I will take the credit for that. Oh, I look forward to walking along the streets, particularly around the sort of seven thirty, seven forty five mark, as a new reality show is taking off in each state, and just hearing people scream at the top of their lungs, journey. Oh, look at this! Is this what ambition feels like? I think so. Because I think that's my ambition now. Joe, you're very clearly on the tweeting. Uh, there are, others, are there other social accounts you want to admit to? 
Uh, I'm just all on on Instagram and my, you know, my Tumblr's all right, but it's nice having Thornley spelt in a way that I, I think there's only one Joe Thornley spelt my way, so it's easy to just, you know, I'm not. Get everything. I'm not ZGirl246 at Tumblr, blah, blah, blah. Um, <laughs> yes. uh, but it does, people spell my name wrong a lot, and one of the gorgeous things about uh, old mate Charlotte that she used to do every time she saw my name spelled in- incorrectly, she'd screenshot it and send it to me. She loved it. And when we, because I helped to write her book, the first, I swear she did this on purpose, the first um, draft of the cover that was sent to us for approval, my surname was spelled incorrectly. She laughed for about a day. It was amazing. Oh, I think one of one of you <laughs> tweeted the photo of that, I think, with some kind of comment around, can't even spell the author's name right. Yeah. It was hilarious, but I'm sure for you guys. Yeah, it was real funny. That, oh. <laughs> Goodness my, me. My Tumblr is called ELY. Mm. That's what I called it because, jeez. That's how it is, people. Keep yeah. up. Yeah. My life is small. Big things matter. Little things matter big. This has been Humans of Twitter, and I can confirm that at Jones. It, oh, oh. I'll do that again. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I just because I'm thinking ahead. Let me finish. Yep. This has been Humans of Twitter, and I can confirm that at Joan Joan <laughs> Thorley. Oh, I can't say it now. Oh. Uh, Joe Thorley, Joe Thornley. Joan right, Thorley. Name, what the hell is Joan Thorley? Joan Thorley, that's what it says on the page. Yep. <laughs> Come on, man. This has been Humans of Twitter, and I can confirm that at Joe Thornley is indeed human. Oh, God, thank you. Yay! Oh, shit. <laughs> Joan Thornley. Oh, Joan God. Thornley. My new name is Joan Thornley. Wait, I'm going to tweet that right.